Good evening, listeners, and welcome along to a special edition of The Sporting Edge, where we're going to have a panel discussion talking about different sporting topics across the county of Tipperary and areas that the county can improve on in general in terms of physical activity and things like that. So it's going to be a good chat, and we've three good people joined alongside myself, Paul Carroll, to talk us through these topics. First up, we're joined by Valerie Connolly. Valerie is a sports coordinator at the Tipperary Sports Partnership. Valerie, you're very welcome. Great to be here. Thanks, Paul. We also have uh, a couple of more familiar voices, maybe for listeners. We've uh, the host of Extra Time here on Tip FM, Ronan Quirk. Ronan, you're welcome. Thanks, Paul. And finally, we have a uh, sports commentator and broadcaster, Stephen Gleeson, as well. Stephen, how are you? Good, Paul. Thanks, Mill. Hi, everyone. Yeah, good to have you all along. And uh, we're going to be discussing different topics around sport in Tipperary and maybe what Tip are good at in sports and some barriers to, to kind of improving sports in general. But, Valerie, I'll start with yourself. You're in with the Tipperary Sports Partnership. It's uh, Tell us a bit about the organisation itself and kind of the work you do in there. Yeah, I suppose, look, we're, in, we're a national organisation with, um, there's 29 LSPs across the, across the country, funded by Sports Ireland, and we're actually located within Tipperary County Council. And our main remit really is to develop sports and increase physical activity. You know, we would work with groups from as young as preschools right up to, to older adult groups, often we say from the cradle to the grave, that we're trying to get people to be to be active um, and whatever activity they want to do of, of their choice. And it's really about our work is to, to talk to people, to consult, to do customer discoveries um, and basically try and provide as many opportunities as we can for people to participate in the sport and give them as much choice. As, as we can and a lot of that work is done you know through consultation with with the groups that we work with to try and provide those activities yeah so like tip is a is a big county with a big interest in sports so i'd imagine day-to-day life in, in there must be fairly busy yeah look it's 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 great um and i suppose there's such diversity as well you know one day you're you have a group and you're working with a preschool maybe with a balance bike program and another day then you're working with a a group of older adults and providing them with information or you're looking at maybe providing uh, walking football for a men's shed group um, you know so there's quite a quite a variety um, and also I support supporting um, the development of our mainstream sports you know through our funding schemes as well um, and some of our, our training and education programs to support all the sports um, within the county as well. So it's quite a broad remit that we have. So busy all year round. Yeah, I'd imagine so. And across all the sports, as I said, and, and all age groups as well. So that's great to hear. But if we start with a kind of a, a general question, you kind of mentioned how um, your kind of remit is to kind of get people participating in sport and things like that. Ronan, maybe if I start with yourself, why why do you think that is? Why should people play sport, participate in sports in your mind as long as possible? Well, I think Valerie's identified a couple of really important things there. And, you know, a discussion like this can very easily spend a lot of time talking about children and children's participation in sport. But her remit goes further than that. It almost comes to a therapeutic intervention um, because you talk about men's sheds, you talk about all those sort of things. But like conditions like osteoporosis, for example, which are really important, uh, often life changing uh, events in older life, particularly older women, but also in, in older men can be offset enormously by things like simple things like like weight bearing exercises and increasing muscle mass and preventing the muscle mass loss that inevitably happens as a consequence of aging and keeping people in sport 
and and you know you think about sports you think about young athletic people but it's not that it's more than that it's wider than that and it's a lifelong um sign up for people in terms of physical activity and you know physical activity and sport go hand in hand you, you know they, they are it doesn't have to be competitive i think is the point i'm trying to make for people to engage in a sporting activity and if that is some way utilized that it can be enjoyable it can be fun it can be inclusive uh there isn't one size fits all but anything that can be done to keep people moving for as long as possible into old age into middle age old age etc has such therapeutic benefits not only mentally i think in terms of you know participation getting out and, and participating but also in in terms of a real therapeutic intervention in terms of uh osteoporosis prevention muscle building uh weight bearing exercises you know there's an old saying that you know if you want to help your grandmother live longer don't take her shopping in with for her actually add an extra bag an extra weight to that bag to allow her to 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 weight bear more and those things are really really important and it's 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 it, it, you know a lot of our discussion this evening will very often take take part around about sport in schools getting children involved keeping them involved for as long as possible but the gambit is much wider than that the remit for everybody involved in sport is much wider than that to keep people playing right up to end of life would you agree with that valerie in terms of that's a lot of year work kind of would it's not just about children because tech generally in schools and things like that is when you're nearly most active so getting people to continue playing and of all ages into further life as well. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. I mean, if you look at Tipperary specifically, we're, we're a population of, I suppose, older people rather than the young cohorts because, you know, a lot of people, you know, they move to maybe, you know, the bigger the bigger cities, um, you know, so a lot of our population currently in, in, in Tipperary, so a lot of our work has to kind of look at the older the older population and it's interesting what what Ronan has said um this view is now at the moment that we should be putting a lot of emphasis into young people because we know there's the dropout rate at the teenage years but if we really try and focus on having a really good um experience of sport at that young level yes there's a whole load of variety of sports and you know there's so many opportunities out there at the moment but our, our young people, all of them having a really positive experience and probably not. So the more we have to, I suppose, influence that they have that positive experience, the longer they will stay in sport. You know, we know all the barriers to, to drop out. But I think the more influential that we can be for the very young kids, the longer they will maintain their participation. A lot of our work at the moment as well is going, you know, looking at social side of sport you know and it's like you know recently there's been social hurling set up um you know walking football for our our older adults um we've been looking at social basketball you know social badminton so these are a lot of the the sports that we're bringing into the county but we're doing them at a social aspect so it's not that they have to be the best player it's just that they're getting together they're they're playing their sports they're enjoying it they're being part of their group it's that social outlet for them so a lot of emphasis now is is being put on that side of sports because the, the sports clubs themselves they can take care of the competitive side of sports but we're really encouraging a lot of clubs to take on that participation side we see recently now um currently at the moment the ireland's lights up program where a lot of the the community facilities and sports, GA facilities and soccer pitches are, are being opened up 
you know, for people to come in and walk around um, their track. You know, so that's really, that's a really positive outcome. You know, as Ronan alluded to, to, to keeping that positive experience, that mental health, that social aspect um, for people. You don't have to be at the high competitiveness, you know, but it's really that we can have that lifelong experience of being physically active to have the, the health benefits that we need to grow old, to be, that we're able to continue to live maybe in our own homes, um, you know, that, that we're not going to be relying on, you know, maybe the state going into a nursing home, but that, that more people can live in their homes and, and they can actively live. And we see that the the people that more are more active, you know, they live longer, they have better health benefits, um, you know, and they have a better quality of life. And I suppose that's, part of the remit of the, the sports partnership is to try and introduce those opportunities. Yeah, it's brilliant. And you, you made a, a lot of great points there, especially around kind of the, the social side of sport as well, that kind of goes beyond the competitive nature and things like that. And Stephen, for yourself, like you, you still play a lot of sports. Sports, obviously a big part of your life. And you've probably seen from that side of things as well about the, the kind of the benefits of just socially getting out there on a Sunday morning, where whether it's playing soccer or whether it's playing hurling or whatever, that the the benefits of of participation um go far beyond just actually competing, but actually socially as well. Yeah, I mean, there's a whole plethora of benefits to you know being involved in an activity. Uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be sport. Even I think walking. Uh, going for a cycle, all these things definitely give you a clarity of thought and a, you know a clarity of mind that will uh, benefit you in other ways across your day or across your week and you know so forth across the year. So the the health, the physical benefits are huge. Obviously, you're you're looking at a population that um is different and is probably more sedentary than other populations ever in Ireland. So like that, you have that aspect to deal with and. There is one thing that I'd be a bit worried about, though, and it is with younger people. I do think that a lot of them are either really serious about their sport and really care about it, or they don't do any sport. And they spend their evenings maybe, uh, you know, playing computer games or, or getting into very, you know, intricate computer games with people across the world. And it's a social activity. It's not a physical activity as such. But so that seems to be a new dynamic at the moment. And uh and, and like another thing is that if you're involved in a competitive sport and you stop playing, that definitely leaves a void in people's lives. So if someone is playing uh, rugby or soccer or a competitive game like that and they stop, not only have they lost the physical aspect of getting out and getting the training and getting air into their lungs, but they've also lost uh, the camaraderie of traveling to a match together or being on a team like that. And they, they lose a lot through that. So I think it's really important that people are encouraged to stay involved in sport uh, or to take up a new sport, which can often be hard um, as you get older, I guess, you know, because if you're involved in a team sport, generally it, it reaches a point where um, you finish playing with that. And what do you do then? You know, so to make sure that you're fighting obesity, to make sure that you're dealing with these things, I think it's really important that you're involved in a lot of sports that it's not a big jump to go from one to another. So we'll say if someone is playing rugby or soccer that they can take up golf while they're still participating in that and maybe focus more on the golf afterwards. Um, the social hurling is a, is a really good initiative and 
I know they're doing brilliant work over in Garton Hill, Glengool in particular, surrounding it. And what that involves is just bringing uh, lads maybe that would have played hurling together and that would have finished being competitive with their clubs, but they still have that social aspect and they can travel to Tip Town to a match. They can travel up to Dublin to a game. They can travel abroad, and I believe a group are going over to play abroad, you know, and there, there is all those aspects to it that uh, just add something really special to someone's life. And uh, that's the, the value, I think, of sport. And as, uh, as you know, Valerie and Ronan have said already, the benefits are manifold. But uh, I think there is probably a cohort there that play one sport, they finish, and they're done with it. And, like, you really have to make it more widespread and make it more known that there is avenues there rather than just joining a club and going in cold into that club, which isn't really going to happen. Unless you know someone that's part of a club, you'll join with them or you'll go in and give it a go. But if you don't know anyone in the club, that's quite intimidating, no matter what age you are, be it a primary school or be it, you know, in your 40s, 50s or 60s. I think. Yeah, yeah. You know, Valerie, sorry, Paul, to cut yeah. across you. Valerie made a very interesting point there about, you know, we're an aging county and a lot of our young people are gone to college, they're gone to work in Dublin. It seems like it's the only place you get jobs nowadays is in Dublin. But if you do take somebody out of a school environment or, you know, go to university, sport offers a portal for people to, to integrate into that environment in a way that, you know, a lot of other pastimes and activities don't. And it's so important for people to sign up for those kind of things in order to put down roots in a, in a, in a, in an environment that they might not be particularly familiar with. I mean, we all have a, our own parish, we have our own club, and that's what Tipperary is to a lot of people. But you go to Dublin, it's a completely different environment. Or even if you go to the United Kingdom or Australia, it's a completely different environment. And sport does offer that portal for people. It may not be a competitive element that you're looking for but it's just an interaction with people like-minded people of a similar age people who have a similar social uh, circle that you have or you want to break into and I can't think of a better way for young people to try and you know um, to in, in, encompass or embrace a new life away from home other than sport it is just such a wonderful portal for people yeah, hundred percent, definitely. And you both made some some great points there. And Valerie, going back to yourself, like and and the work you do, like you mentioned there, the kind of um the men's sheds work and things like that, and the social hurling, these are probably I'd imagine once they get up and up and running in places like very successful initiatives. I'd imagine, and there's probably other ones that that I I'm unaware of that you might maybe be able to shed light on, and similar initiatives like that that are kind of uh starting to get a bit of momentum in terms of getting people who are past their let's say athletic prime shall we say but keeping them back active yeah um i suppose if i use the example the, the first group that we would have set up with the, the walking football and this would be in conjunction with the development officers in the in the fai we would have set up walking football a number of years ago with um with cashel and it was the the tidy towns group over there and and the med shed and they're still playing today and they're very competitive and they, they're competitive on the day with each other. And, you know, and they're, they're actually linking now with a new group that's established in, in Featherton, part of Feathertown Park. And they're going to Feathertown Park group, the men's shed there, they're going to start looking at walking football. And then we hope that there'll be interaction between games between the, the two of them, you know, so it's really, really 
it's really successful um and they come back every year looking looking to do it now that obviously there is times when they have to tidy the town and they're they're taking on their other volunteer responsibilities and they're not available but it is really really successful and it's 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 such a lovely out outlet i think and and i know as stephen said that the the social the social hurling is really you know it's really taken to grips i i've met a number of people that participate in it and they're really loving it like you know and they're very competitive about it as well the people i've been talking to you know so um they're, they're really enjoying it and they're really enjoying that that social aspect of getting out there and being back being part of a team and being part of something you know and that's really that's really important to people as well um, you have the other side, you know, you have, you have Kickfish, which is a, a women's program, getting them playing soccer. You have the Mothers and Others, you know, like there's so many of the, the sports now and national governing bodies are looking at programs that they can put in place that is attracting that that cohort that when they've hung up their competitive boots, you know, that there's an outlet that they can continue to to, to play sport within their, their own their own sectors. And it's really growing. Um, and I think more so it's, it's that social aspect that people are thriving for. Yeah, they mightn't be able to be as physically competitive as they were. But, you know, when you remove that, that outlet of being together as a team, being part of being part of a group, you know, heading to matches, you know, you take that away. That's probably the biggest void for a lot of people because they lose contact with people because they people that they would have met on a weekly basis now it's no longer there for them so um another example uh, two years ago we would have set up a social badminton um program we ran it for we ran it for six weeks with, with badminton ireland and a badminton club an adult badminton club now has been established over in tipperary town so they're continuing to, to play they're registered they're, they're starting to play matches they're 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 interacting with other groups. So that's really what you want to see, that there's sustainable pathways. You know, that it's not just a once off six or eight weeks. Like our our role is to to, you know, help groups to provide an opportunity, but then looking, you know, we can't be there in every group, but you know, you're looking at the volunteers and you're looking at those sports settings to put a sustainable pathway within the within their clubs and organizations. And it's great to see when it happens, I mean that's what that's what we want. We want people to be able to take ownership of it. And as I said, that group over in Tipperary Town, they're they're doing really really well. And that that new badminton club, it's a new sport, it's a new outlet for for that yeah. community. There is great. It is, and, and Valerie, sometimes sport tend, can very often be something that people drop. It's an easy thing to drop when life gets busy. You know, you have kids, you're ferrying the kids to badminton, to rugby, to soccer every weekend. The weekdays are busy trying to get the kids ready for school and all the other things that go on, plus busy jobs, busy lives. And sometimes people, the easiest thing to drop can be the sporting activity. It could be just a five aside on a Tuesday night or something. It could be something really quite simple. But when that goes, it's very hard for that to get reincorporated back into family rotas and family uh, agendas. And that's, I think, a really disappointing thing that it's just it's such a, a lifestyle winner for people it's such a health win for people like there is no downside to playing sport i mean we all get niggles and and aches and pains from time to time because we perhaps overdo it a bit but that's a good niggle and an ache and a pain but there is no downside to sport the biggest downside is when you step away from it and the health intervention the health benefits that accrue from that are gone the mental health benefits are gone and very often unfortunately gone for a long time because getting back in getting back on that horse again can be such an impervious 
hurdle for people that they just actually lose a bit of self-confidence and not just keeping them in sports, which is a critical thing, but getting them back after they've been gone for a number of years, I think is a, is a really important thing. I think when the break arrives, you know, like when you, when you stop playing, if you take six months off, you take a year off, you're done from that sport. You, you, it's very hard to go back. And that's something really that uh, I think people need to be aware of. And a lot of people have, that stop playing sport they don't realize what it's like not having sport in their life until sport is not part of their life for a long time. And then it's almost too late for them to go back. And it's very hard to go back to a sport as, you know, a fully grown adult, whatever age you are, and have to learn the skill set all over again. So taking up golf in your 40s or taking up something like tennis in your 40s or 50s is very hard to do because you have to learn all the movements again and, that's much easier to learn when you're young. So stepping away from sport is a huge problem, I would imagine, Valerie and uh, lads. I just think it is that that gap just creates a longer gap and a longer gap. And all of a sudden, you could have gone a couple of years without playing any sport. So not to allow that gap develop appears to be very important, I would say. Anyway. Oh, definitely, Stephen. Yeah, 100%. But we're just going to take a quick ad break and we'll continue this discussion after these. And you're very welcome back to this special hour-long edition of The Sporting Edge with myself, Paul Carroll. We're having a panel discussion on many different sporting topics around Tipperary. So let's pick up where we left off with our guest Valerie Connolly from the Tipperary Sports Partnership, Ronan Quirk from Tip FM, and another broadcaster with Tip FM, Stephen Gleeson as well, joins us in this panel discussion. Let's pick up where we left off. Yeah, and, and like we, I've seen this countless times in, in my own club at home where lads do go away for a couple of years and then it's like, oh, are you going to come back? And it's, they're kind of like, oh, geez, no, I wouldn't be able for it now or that that kind of thing. So, Valerie, maybe a kind of a, a thing that you, you might already be looking at is maybe just, as Stephen kind of mentioned as well, getting people playing as many sports as possible so that when they do fall out of one that they they might stumble and fall into another one and continue playing for longer, whether it be something that is maybe more easy, easier to play, such as golf, as Stephen said, or something like that. But maybe getting as many people playing as many sports as possible when they're younger and then that eventually some will hang around in whatever sport the, the older they get. Oh, yeah. I mean, we'd be big advocates. Play play everything for as long as, 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 long as you can get the opportunity to, to attend. And I think we're very lucky. Um, if you look now at the variety of, of sports that's available in small communities, you know, like a while ago, like you really, you know, it was the GA and if you weren't into GA, there wasn't really anything else for you. Whereas the variety of sports that's, that can be set up and established. Um, you know, the other day we had, um, we had Olympic handball, um, you know, happening in, in, in the Canadian Sports Centre. Again, we had a schools competition, so we were introducing people to, to Olympic handball. We recently done a horror moves program in Tipperary Town with inactive teenage girls um, with St. Elby's. And it was amazing to hear that the girls, they had already dropped out of sport. They had, they had lost their love for it for various different reasons. And we had a consultation with them and we provided them with a number of Sports and said, look, what do you want to come and try? And we gave them the opportunity to try, I think it was about nine nine different sports. And it was amazing. Then they, they they picked four that they really liked that they wanted to do another six weeks of, and we provided that for them. Um, but things like netball was one that came out that was really, it was really um, an interesting sport for them because 
it wasn't that competitive, but everybody had to be involved because they were in their zones and you can only pass. So it wasn't like that you had your very good competitor, you know, that was able to run the length of the course and score. Everybody had to be involved in the game. And the, the school now are looking to provide netball as part of their, their PE programme. So I think there's little ways that it's about introducing them and giving them the, the, the opportunity, um, another opportunity you know, the, the River Shore, we would have been involved in the development of the, the Blue Way there. And like that's proven such a, such a success between people out walking and cycling, you park run there on a, on, on a Saturday morning, but you also have the, the water activities as well. And look, we do need to, to do some further work there. But, you know, we've a, we've a couple of young people, um, Bevan Butler and two, two of the young bikes, uh, the Carneys, like they're competing now at European level. Um, world standards and they started you know the two county boys started doing the summer camp with ourselves like it provided them the opportunity they love it they travel all over the country now every weekend um, doing freestyle you know so I think it's really about I suppose what they're saying now is find your sport you know find something that you actually enjoy find something that you love so the more the more opportunities that young people can have to go and try it yeah they might like it but give them give them a couple of weeks and um let them go and try stuff and if they like it they like it and if they don't they don't but the, the most thing for us is to to provide them the opportunity to, to to try it and you know like schools are really great a lot of stuff ends up on on schools and teachers but you know without without that as a resource there'll be a lot of less physical activity um going on you know in the secondary schools as well but i think we actually need to probably talk to our young people and find out why they don't like a particular sport and try and find sports that they do enjoy. And that's part of our role in a lot of our programmes, especially when we're dealing with, you know, some of the groups that have dropped out of sport. It's finding something that they might like to to, to continue. Um, a couple of girls actually from that Hormuz programme have gone on and joined basketball club as a result. You know, so these are the small little little interventions that, that can have a huge impact on, a, on an individual. I found that... Um... About two, three years ago there, we went playing one evening basketball in Turles and there was uh, um, uh, one of the group played basketball when he was young and uh, was quite good at it. And he reset up a group recently and we go into uh, one of the secondary schools in Turles, go in there once a week for an hour and play basketball. And it has been a real buzz, you know, really exciting, really good for everybody involved. It's uh, it's mixed, so we have uh, just mixed teams play basketball for a full hour, and you know, like at the end of the year, you you could have fifty two weeks of basketball played without knowing very little about the sport. Some people didn't know the rules. There was a lot going in using the shoulder, like you might in GAA, but uh, it it just people developed skills over time, and uh, some GA players are playing in the off season, others don't play. Gaelic games, don't play any competitive sport as such, but go in for an hour's basketball and it has become a really good buzz and there's a WhatsApp group and you give the thumbs up and whoever gives the thumbs up goes in and plays there for the hour that week and this is going 52 weeks of the year and it's only a new activity in the last two, three years. I haven't, I hadn't played basketball since I was at school and uh, I have to say that's a really good buzz in Turles. And uh, I know there is a basketball team in Turles as well. Uh, is it the, the Knights? The and Knights, yeah. they're doing really well. 
and providing you know a lot of entertainment and a lot of fun for a lot of people and you know it's not like we're going to end up at the nba you know we're not going to break the records of michael jordan and co but we'll have a go and uh you know you get a basket and, and you, you just partake you have a good time and uh that's very important, I think, that uh, that that opportunity is there and that the facilities are there in Tipperary is very important too. And like, I'd say there's so many countless examples of sports that go on around Tipperary that w- people don't know about, let's say, and you know, if people could be listening to that and thinking, yeah, geez, I don't mind playing a bit of basketball and I live near Turles, I must inquire about that. But Valerie, I suppose a lot of year work could be about just like... Um, advertising that maybe and letting people know what is going on yeah and in the last um, couple of months a, um, a massive piece of work was was undertaken by by sport ireland um, and basically what it is is that it's a national digital database so there's a huge amount of work working with all the national and governing bodies working with the local authorities and mapping all the the, the activities that that are available, the facilities, you know, from from walking trails to to clubs, and people can check that out. That's live, um, and it's www.getirelandactive.ie. So it's very easy for people just to see what's going on in their area, what facilities are there, you know, where where can they go? Um, it's a massive piece of piece of work. It was just launched there at the end of, the end of last year. So like Tipperary is on a Cork, Clare, the whole the whole country. You know, it probably still needs. You know, it'll be added to all all the time, but it's a absolutely a brilliant resource for somebody living in Tipperary to see what's in their locality. But also, if there's somebody moving to the area and they're considering coming to Tipperary and living, you know, where 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 will I locate myself? You know, what activities are available for my family? Like I like to do golf. You know, where where is the nearest golf club? Or my kids, my kids are are into table tennis you know is there a table tennis club you know they're all the things that that can bring people into into our county as well from an employment perspective i was recently talking to um a local person in in industry and they were saying you know to attract the attract employees to come and work in Tipperary, you know that sport and infrastructure that was alluded to earlier is really really important because it may not be them but they have their their, their kids and the kids wanting to move and what sports do they enjoy and is there a sports club that they can actually join and be part of and integrate into their their communities and as Roland said earlier it's a really important part you know when, when people go to college but it's also if you're moving location it's a great way to to get to know people in your local in your local community um so that website I'd encourage anyone to you know to log on to it and, and check because it's it's there um like we're on all the social media channels as well if people want to to, to follow us we're on Instagram and, so, and Facebook and all of that but definitely check that out it's it's new it's a new resource as I said um and you know there will be still um facilities added to it but it's it's a really good resource to have yeah no, one, that... one problem I would see um is that traditionally the way that the country has developed is that clubs are a little bit inclusive that the GA club won't allow rugby or soccer in, the rugby club won't allow GAA in and as a result things get a little bit polarised in that people who would love to just throw a frisbee there's very few parks in Tipperary there's very few public spaces the towns are pretty undernourished in that respect uh, the village is as well in Tipperary, they really could do a communal park, communal 
places that people could just have a social activity. You go down to Kilkenny, uh, the castle, the grounds there, are beautiful grounds of people are out throwing frisbees, they're playing hurling, they're kicking a ball around. You can't do that in Cashel. You can't do that in Clonmel. Uh, you can't do that in Thurlis in, in a huge open space. Yes, there's parks, but they're kind of a little bit small, a little bit, um, you know, manufactured in a way that the parks of 100 years ago or 200 years ago were in, in big places like, like Stevens Green and, and the Phoenix Park just offered an opening that doesn't seem to be there in rural Ireland. And I think that's a real pity and that's something that governments need to work on, to be honest. And Stephen, that was part of the the development of the National Digital Database as well, was to look at, you know, future planning, you know, so like if you're looking and you, you can see it's, it's mapped and you can see, well, look, there's a big cluster there and God, there's a big gap here. And, you know, mm. what are the amenities that we need to provide? You know, where where are the gaps? And I think, you know, that the having that, that I suppose, access to something that's mapped there, I think that will that will help the development of those outdoor green spaces that you, that you're talking about. Yeah, that's huge. And to be honest, like I have two small kids now and there's nowhere in Tipperary you can take them cycling bar the blue way. So you have to put the bike into the boot and take it off down to Clonmel to go for a cycle. There's nowhere around an awful lot of the towns in Tipperary that you would put um, an eight-year-old child on a bike on the roads. You know, there's cars everywhere. The footpaths are narrow. There's no joined up thinking in that regard. Uh, an off-road route, an off-road walking path would make such a difference to quality of life, not organised sports, but to just being able to cycle a bike without the fear of a car coming around the corner at 90 kilometres an hour. I think Stephen as well is there's two facilities that we should be very proud of that are that are just recently developed, um, and that is the Frank Joan Road to Sports facility, and that does have you know a little pump track there for the kids to go on their bikes. There's um a big walking route, cycle route that that kids can can go around on it. You know it has obviously the athletic track is 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 there, which is you know a stage there. What a wonderful facility. You also have Feathertown Park, and and that's a huge success from that recreation side of things. The amount of people that are using that to to go and walk themselves, walk with their dogs, walk with their kids, bring their kids. It was amazing at Christmas time to see all the young kids out on their their little bikes that they had that Santa had brought, and they were all cycling around that safe space area. And I think. We Every have town to, should have that, yeah. Yeah, I think we just have we've really good examples. Now, you know, that can be replicated anywhere else in, in, in the county. But I think, you know, it doesn't have to be a huge amount of money. It's even just having that nice track around the, the GA pitch or the soccer pitch. Or, you know, that it's hardcore, that kids can just go in, they can cycle their bike, they're feeling that safe space. And I think it's also the development of more walking and cycling trails, those outdoor spaces. Um, you know, that has so, you know, we know that green exercise has such a positive effect on people's mental health. You know, it's much nicer to walk in a green space than in 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 a built up area. So those are the areas that I think really investment needs to to go into. And it's great to see that, you know, in recent years that those outdoor spaces are really being being looked at. And I think COVID probably had a had a big part to to play in that from a positive point of view in relation to physical activity because. 
people could only move within you know a certain radius so they really had to go and find what was on their 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 local areas and in their own communities and you know i've seen around it little paths that weren't used before you know they've now been cleared up and people are, are using them and there's these small little things that are happening all over the, the the county and they may not be as high profile as the two facilities but they're still having that positive effect in, in small local communities that little roads and little little lanes and you know that they're they're being made more accessible that's good, definitely there's probably just not enough of them to be honest yeah yeah so that's uh, definitely a uh... A, a brilliant point kind of even away from the organized sport and just the recreational side of things people can go out and do their own thing if the facility is there and if it's something like a pathway that's such a, a simple thing so that's a very good thing as well um we're just going to take a quick ad break and we're going to talk a little bit about uh, women's sports uh, after these so welcome back listeners uh paul carroll here we've got uh, three guests on the line talking about different uh, sporting topics in tipperary valerie Connolly from the tipperary sports partnership is here stephen gleason and ronan quirk uh, are alongside as we were speaking just before the ad break there a bit about kind of the impact of some of the new facilities that we've seen around the county in Feathertown park and there's the track in um in in lit or formerly lit in clonmel um and valerie just these these facilities you see once they open you kind of feel like how did we survive without them so like particularly with Feathertown Park like the the model is there for for that if that was replicated up let's say I'm living just outside Nina like up this end of the, the county it would be unbelievable but I, I'd imagine that the main barrier to something like that is is funding I, I'd like something like that is is not a a cheap thing to do but funding I'd imagine is, is a is a big issue for that but joint up thinking and kind of a community center with different sports groups coming together is surely a way to to kind of combat that in some some fashion yeah I suppose look multi-use really is is what you'd be advocating for there but I think the whole thing is around that partnership that collaboration and the willingness of of communities and, and groups to work together that's how that's how things like Bellatown Park and the, the the sports hub in 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 Clamwell, you know it's it's not just one single single group it's a number of like-minded people coming together and working together in collaboration and really seeing the best for the communities and that's why that's why those facilities have been so successful in in securing funding as well is because you know they're multi-use it's it's wider than just a, a single sport and activity and look i think as i said previously they're they're just amazing facilities and uh, you know i encourage people especially in around the Camel area you know go up and and try out the, the 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 walking track and the little pump track that's that's there for kids to go on the, their bikes and I know like Clamel Cycling Club, they you know, from time to time they do a they do a lot of programs there. I know recently they have a couch to fifty K program that they're actually running as well for, for adults to get on their bikes. So there's a lot of things happening out in the in the communities, but they're happening as a result as well of the the facilities put in place. Like we recently done an activated walking program with older adults out in Feathertown Park as well. That's where you're walking with the poles. So there's different ways of, of doing things, but if the facilities are there, it just opens up so much opportunity for, for people to be active and new opportunities to go into to locations as well. Paul. Brilliant. Yeah. And if we just kind of switch our, our focus slightly towards um the women's sports and women participation and Ronan, like you've been posting extra time for for many of year and like 
now every week we're talking about camogie, we're talking about ladies football, women's soccer is kind of exploding in the last couple of years. We've seen definitely women's sport is on a upward trajectory at the minute. Finally. And, uh, you know, we're all culpable for not giving it the appropriate oxygen of publicity. And I think now we, we were, we're better at that. But, you know, in terms of publicity, women's sports pale beside the amount of column inches and, and radio hours that their male equivalents get. But it has improved, but there's still a long, long way to go. And, you know, the can't see, can't be campaign, I think, is really, really important. Because if you look at Ashling Maloney on television, playing football for Tipperary or even playing Australian rules football uh, at that level, then you can aspire if you're a, a young girl in Clonmel or in Tipperary, you can aspire to, to achieve those sort of heights. The same is true of any athlete, Amy Lee, Murphy Crow playing rugby sevens for Ireland. You've got to be able to see these people in action on television, hear about their exploits on radio and read about their exploits in the paper. And those things are hugely, hugely important for part female participation. But the, the playing field is getting leveler, leveler, if that's a word. I mean, the facilities are improving. Um, I think the impending merger of the LGFA and the Camogie Association within an umbrella of the GAA will do wonders for women's sports, particularly Gaelic ladies, Gaelic football and Camogie, because having three different standalone associations means that very often women's sports have to go cap in hand to their male counterparts looking for pitches, looking for facilities. But if they if they're all owned by one umbrella organization, the Gaelic Athletic Association, then they won't feel like they're almost second class in terms of not having their own facilities. They they are the facilities will be co-owned and co-joined, uh, and that I think will be a big big step forward. But but it seems to be moving at glacier like pace. It needs to be speeded up because it's twenty twenty four, and uh, to have to even to have an LGFA separate to a Camogie Association makes no sense whatsoever in this day and age when there's so much commonality between players playing both codes and how much trouble have we seen caused by fixtures committees not even uh, understanding the, the demands on players. So there's, that's one aspect. Mm. There's another element that needs to perhaps be discussed and that's dropout rates because the dropout rates in female sports is higher than male sports. And we need to understand why girls fall out of love with sport at a faster rate than boys fall out of sport with love, love with sport. And we need to understand perhaps why, what the, what the barriers are. Like maybe young mothers can't find the time to, to participate in sport while their husbands can. And that's not equitable and that's not fair and that's not tolerable in, in a modern age and in 2024. So there's lots of things that perhaps, I don't know whether there's research needs to be done on it, but there's a little bit of more joined up thinking required. Yeah, and I know, I know, um, like the particularly the ladies football association have have done plenty of great initiatives around kind of dropout rates and things like that, and mentioned barriers there. And I'd I'd even say probably the whole camogie and uh, ladies football association, like that's a barrier in itself in terms of people can't play both because games are often fixed for the same time and and different kind of things Paul, like if, that. Paul, if, Paul, hypothetically, if you twins and one is a boy and one is a girl, and you bring them to your GA club. The boy plays hurling and football and he joins the GA club. But your your daughter, who wants to play Gaelic football and and a camogie, will have to pay a sub to join the LGFA and then another sub to join the Camogie Association. Even that in and of itself hmm. is a barrier and uh, makes no sense. Try to explain that to a parent 
that there is such a difference between uh, something as simple as that, just bringing your kids to the local GA club. Yeah, and I, Valerie, I'd imagine you probably see a lot of um, those issues or those are probably things you're probably kind of working at at the minute in terms of those those barriers and those reasons for, for the kind of particularly higher dropout rates in, in kind of uh, adolescent girls compared to boys of the same age. Yeah, and to be honest, it's, you know, a lot of it is that they, they don't feel valued in, in their sports. You know, you hear a lot of com- comments from, from young girls, you know, especially the competitive ones. Would that happen in, in, in the boys' sport? Would that happen if, if a fixture wasn't refixed? Um, but with the boys, there'd be more emphasis put, put on it, you know. So, um, look, that's a battle that, that they're all going. But I do think, I do think there's been a lot of um, positive positive change you know we we are seeing a lot more uh, female sports on the television on the radio as, as Roland said there's a lot more coverage of it as, as, as well on, on the social media um, and I think there is a lot of strides being made especially by all the national governing bodies to provide more opportunities for sports you know providing quality training and education for for female role models become female referees to become female administrators to become female coaches you know there's a lot of maybe female only coaching courses you know the, the IRFU would you know would run them the, the FBI where they just run coaching courses that are specifically attended by females you know so they're not maybe intimidated by their their male counter counterparts I think it's changing I think one of the things though we do need to be very mindful of is allowing young girls to participate in as many sports as they can that we we don't try and put them into into one particular sport because they are playing quite a lot especially you know somebody said to me recently that their you know 14 year old girl is probably the busiest of all age groups because they're they might be in some sports they're, they're playing maybe under 14s they might also be playing under under 16s they're playing football, they're playing camogie, they're playing soccer, they might be swimming, you know, there's a huge amount. And I think we just really need to be to be careful of that, that especially for the talented players, that they don't get burnt out, that we mind them, that, you know, that they're not picking up as many injuries. They're in their teenage years, they're going through an awful lot of changes. You know, personally, we need to make sure that the facilities are welcoming, you know, that they have proper toilet facilities for, for girls. There's just so many things out there that we need to change. But I think we're getting there. You know, I think there is a lot of focus and small little steps are happening. Obviously, there's a lot more to do. But I think there is there is changes, you know, coming up now the first week in March is Women in Sport Week. You know, we'll be doing a lot of, you know, looking to see we have a... Um, coaching teenage girls workshops specifically you know to talk about you know how you would coach a teenage girl maybe as opposed to a teenage boy because there's a lot there's a lot going on for a teenage girl um we're also looking at profiling profiling you know females um sports ireland have a have a, a list of things that will be promoted dur- during that week and it's really just a week to kind of you know more female sports and might be something that tip fm might look at doing maybe mm. something that week in relation to female sports and i think we've you know recently i was on a, a trip um to, to scotland with my with my daughter and i met a very empowering woman rose riley and she was telling me that when she was a, a young girl um that she wanted to play soccer and she was you know she used to play soccer in school with the, with the boys at break time at lunchtime and when she would come in she'd be punished because she shouldn't be playing she shouldn't be playing 
stop her with, with the boys and she said she just loved it and she didn't care every day. She came in and she, she played her soccer every day and she took her punishment every day. And, you know, she she then went on, she actually went on to, to win a world medal and she competed, you know, she played in Italy, but part of it was she had to play on boys' team. She had to cut her hair up to, to look like a boy. Um, so she was able to play. So we've come a long way when you look at when you look at her story to, to where we are. We're making a huge amount of, of, of impact. Um, but as Ronan said, I think that amalgamation will actually be be great because you know we're we're a big we're a big GA county as well. And it is mad to think that you know, like I have a I have a son and a daughter, and if they want to play Camogie football, there's two registrations I need to pay. As opposed to one registration for my son to play, like it's it is. It simply, it is Valerie, it simply it simply comes down to parity of esteem. That's where it has to be that the esteem that women's sport is held in is exactly the same as the esteem that men win sport, and that trickles down to underage girls and boys as it does to at an elite level. And you know, we finally see the Katie McCabe's playing for Ireland, and those games are shown, and they get a huge audience because it took something like that. To convince some 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 people in the country that women's soccer is really entertaining, it's a really good watch, and you don't have to be invested in it because you see an Ireland jersey because it actually is really good entertainment as yeah. well, and and as good a product as you're seeing in the in the men's uh, equivalent. And unfortunately, it took Ireland qualifying for a World Cup in Australia to convince people of that. Yeah, yeah and look, we have a young girl, Leah McGrath, who's who's doing really well you know we have some great girls come coming through on, on on the soccer side of things as well and it's really about trying to foster their development and and give them the right pathways as well to help them to to achieve you know the high levels that they may be looking to achieve themselves but also just if they want to go and, and kick around the ball with their friends on a on a tuesday evening you know that needs to be that needs to be part of it as well yeah and it's probably that is probably easier or it's more common for, for a group of lads to meet up and go over to the hurling field and kick a ball around or play a ball around than, than it is for girls. But Stephen, we mentioned earlier about just kind of um, it has to be seen kind of on TV and we're fortunate enough here in Tipperary. We seem to have a lot of very high level female athletes across a range of sports. And even you see like kind of with Rachel Blackmore and things like that, it it all kind of snowballs once you kind of get one kind of breakthrough uh, more and more kind of follow after. Yeah, well, I mean, doing matches and stuff like that, we see the the, the names like Orlo Dwyer coming to the fore, um, you know, Ashley McCarthy, Ashley Maloney. Um, you've got Rachel, as you mentioned there as well. And those names are huge in terms of, you know, young people having role models. And role models would play a massive part. And I think that really what's trying to be addressed now in Ireland is probably issues from decades ago that were, you know, just left and not really dealt with. So it's kind of a leftover from that period. And now there is a real emphasis and awareness of what the issues are. And it's just trying to solve that. But uh, as regards getting, you know, more um, females involved in sports, I mean, you have to go back to primary school traditionally, I mean, if it's uh, certain schools, if it was uh, a, a boys' school, it's a football that's thrown out in the yard. A girls' school, they're given chalk and they're told hopscotch is here. So that, that has changed a lot in Ireland. And I think that's 
really positive, you know, and I think there was a study in 2001, um, Sports Ireland did the study and their call on why a lot of teenage girls in particular give up sporting activities was the tendency for coaches to focus more time and effort on the talented players. And that often determines the culture of the team. And, you know, that is a huge issue, not just with girls, with boys as well. And I think you have to look at uh, the reasons that so many are left behind. And you probably have a lot of the same things. It's not gender specific as such. If the focus is on one thing, it's how others feel. And if they feel left behind, they drop off from sport. And it's the same thing that we mentioned earlier. I think if that gap develops, if someone gives up sport at 11, 12, 13, 14, and they wait a year, it's much harder to go back. So you kind of have to try and play that sport right through to adulthood. And chances are you'll you'll be involved in sport for life. But I think if, if that gap arrives um, at a young age between being involved in sport and not being involved in sport, to go back to sport is is much harder. There's a lot of invisible barriers is probably the term you could use for it. And they'll be in position there. So uh, so again, a focus maybe on participation as opposed to this drive towards uh, the ultra talented, which is in every sport, I think. And, I think uh, as well, though, it's important, like a lot of listeners would be there going, wouldn't consider themselves sporty necessarily, but they walk or they swim. And uh, Valerie was telling us off air, those are the two highest participatory sports in the country. So uh, if you listen to this and you think you're not sporty, but you walk and you swim, well done and keep doing it because you're going to be doing that for the rest of your life. Hopefully. Yeah, no, it's br- it's brilliant. And there's so much that is even flying through my head at the minute that I'd love to probably keep on talking about in terms of coaching. And Stephen mentioned there about like um, sometimes coaches underage are focusing on the talented ones and it's. Coaches underage can be thinking about just winning when really, Valerie, the the goal of a, a lot of underage sports should be getting the same amount of players that you had at under 12, getting them to under 21 and senior and adult grades and things like that, that the the goal needs to be. And I think it is probably changing a little bit. Maybe you, you know a bit more about educating coaches that that participation is the trophy nearly. Yeah, and I think I think look, really, we what we'd be advocating for is as many opportunities and and get everybody to try and play your sport and really, the, what you what you finish with the year before, hopefully you're starting with that group of players again the the following year and it's it's really the retention and I think we really need to focus on on retaining retaining the the, the players and as Stephen said not letting them drop out because you know every player develops differently you know you have your late developer you have your early developer you have like how many people have we heard you know um never picked for squads when they were younger and now they're competing at a huge high level and i think coaches you know we all need to understand that just because our our player at under 10s isn't maybe the most talented if they're working on it they're hard working and they're working on the scale and they're, they're, they're willing to put in the work they could be your future you know, Irish players and internationals are, are playing for your, for, for your county. But I think the main thing is that we provide positive pathways, that every child is given the, the same opportunity and those pathways are there for them to, to develop. No matter how skilled they are, they're, 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 there's a way forward for them. But that can be that can be hard because depending on the, the, the club ethos as well, 
you know um but that that's always been the challenge between your non-competitive and your and your in your competitive because there's some people and they're just naturally competitive and then there's people and they just want to go and play in sports and they really couldn't care less whether they win or lose you know and i suppose that's probably something for all all sports and all clubs to be able to to try and address in, in, in a positive way the most i suppose look really what you're trying to do is that every child that that, that comes into your into your club or, or your 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 facility they have a positive experience at a very young age and hopefully then that will that will lead to them staying participation to whatever level they, that they want to, to to achieve themselves yeah no it's it's retention is kind of the, the key uh, for for those underage teams and you know the successes and things like that will, will come as well but um Look, I feel like we could go on for even even longer. We've we've covered a lot, and uh, it's been a great chat. So first of all, that thanks very much for Valerie for coming along to Stephen Gleeson as well, and to, to Ronan Quirk. It's been a, it's been a great chat. So thank you all.